I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Online podcast. When we arrange everything geometrically in boxes or in rows, uh, that's a very crude kind of order. But when you look at a plant, it's perfectly obvious that this bamboo plant has order. We recognize at once that that is not a mess. But it is not symmetrical, and it is not geometrical looking. It looks like a Chinese drawing. Because the Chinese appreciated this kind of order so much that they put it into their painting. Non-symmetrical order. In the Chinese language, this is called Li. And the character for Li means originally the markings in jade. Also means the grain in wood and the fiber in muscle. Welcome back to the Line Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. In today's beautiful episode, I got to have my sweet friend, Mr. Jason Niemer. Uh, Jason is the founder, or the co-founder, I should say, of Acro Yoga. Acro, I'm sure what every one of you knows exactly what Acro Yoga is. Um, so Jason has been super inspirational for me in my journey. And so it was a real pleasure to get to dig into his mind while recording. So really fun. I think you guys are really going to enjoy the conversation. We get into his lifestyle, vagabonding around the world, living out of a suitcase, teaching, traveling, speaking, connecting, um, get into various practices around his movement, around uh, practices that keep him sane when, while he's on the road, and uh, much, much more. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. Can you tell me about your, your underwear or breakfast or anything? that? Uh, my underwear was my breakfast. Uh, it had some <laughs> eggs in it and a little bit of bacon and uh, some salsa. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we found our podcast introduction. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in to the website, aligntherapy.com. That's A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there, you'll find hundreds of videos on self-care and functional movement. And um, we got a special prize from Four Sigmatic, who sponsors this show. Next five people that leave reviews on iTunes. I'm gonna, every time there's five people that leave a review, I'm going to pick one of the five out of there, read your review on the show, and then uh, Four Sigmatic is going to send you guys out a box of shrooms for sigmatic is a radical company they uh, make tea and coffee blends and uh, along with just straight mushroom blends uh, alongside with cordyceps mushroom maitake lion's mane reishi all the important ones really really great stuff so just a, a cool way to kind of kind of supplement your your tea or coffee throughout the day <coughs> highly recommend it uh, Tim Ferriss has been getting down on the stuff, all sorts of great people, and you can get 10% off on any purchase by going to foursigmatic.com slash align. That's F-O-U-R sigmatic, S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com slash align, A-L-I-G-N. All of that as well you can find on the show notes page on the podcast 
uh, onlinetherapy.com podcast page. Uh, as well, show notes, anytime we mention any type of anything that's linkable on the internet, any kind of books, any kind of YouTube videos, any people, all that will link back to the show notes. So you can go to aligntherapy.com slash podcast to find all the show notes from every show. Uh, quote that I got for today, it comes from Napoleon Hill, The Law of Success. And it goes like this. First comes the thought, then organization of that thought into ideas and plans, then transformation of those plans into reality. The beginning, as you will observe, is in your imagination. I think it's pretty curious how our thoughts end up leading into our actions and our realities. Um, Something I've been just witnessing here. I'm back in my my place in Bend, Oregon, and uh, been really enjoying doing yard work and stuff like that. I think it's great. And uh, something I've been noticing is leaving projects projects kind of partially undone makes me feel insane. And uh, I feel like we do that so often in maybe our material reality, in our emotional reality, or our physical reality, where we have, we get to a certain point with things and we almost finish them, and then we get bored or find something else sparkly and move on from that. I think every unfinished thing that we have in our lives ends up being some degree of psychic weight. And uh, I think it would behoove all of us to sure up all those loose ends that we have hanging around. Tell that person that you love them. Uh, Figure out your shoulder girdle imbalances and finish mulching your backyard. Thank you so much for utilizing the affiliate link for Amazon on the website. If you go to the right side of the blogger podcast page, uh, you'll just see Amazon affiliate or says something like that. And um, you can click on that, bookmark that. Anytime you or any of your friends or family purchase anything, it kicks down 7% of that purchase to the Alliant Podcast Foundation, takes that out of Amazon and puts it into into the piggy bank here. So that is super, super helpful for supporting the show. Thank you so much. Um, I think we're probably getting close. You can see if you check out um, the Instagram gizmo, I got a picture of Jason and I doing some, we did a hand-to-hand. It's my first time doing a hand-to-hand. A hand-to-hand, essentially, I'm doing a handstand on his hands. So my hands are connected to his hands, and uh, Jason's a strong, strong fellow holding me up in a handstand. So you guys check that out if you if you feel like it at Align Podcast on Instagram. And um, I think that's what we got. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I'll be cruising down through California here tomorrow. I'm going to be checking out Rob Wolf, going over to uh, all sorts of people, the Mind Pump folks, all sorts of really great people. So I'll keep you posted on how that trip goes. And here we go. Back to the show with Mr. Jason Niemer. Align Podcast. Um, Yeah, so I don't do any type of like introduction or whatever because i think that'd be weird you know if we were like on a set it would make sure. maybe a little bit more sense but uh we're on the set of the crossfit gym here in santa monica crossfit gym here yeah thanks so much for coming in man thanks for the amazing bodywork session Ooh, cool how do you feel anyway that's you don't need to make like an advertisement for for hands by aaron or anything but just in general like how's how's body feeling right now really really good it was great to do a couple of pull-ups, some monkey business play a little bit get you up in the air and yeah. then just drop into co-creating healing space mode dude so you got me into a hand-to-hand quite easily even with your mind resisting so much resistance (laughs) (laughs) like (laughs) shut up and just do it you can do this and you did it very well actually very well Uh, what um it's one of the things i was hearing you talk 
to it might have been Tim. I was like I was stalk people for several. In your case, I could only stalk for a couple of days beforehand because it was it was last minute. Mm-hmm. But uh, one of the things that you'd mentioned in there was feet and hands being like aging like fine wine, mm-hmm. and it gets better with time. Yeah. You know, and so that's something that I, I feel working with, you know, you could say working with clients or working like even having a hug with somebody or a handshake with somebody or acro yoga mm-hmm. with somebody. You know, is there any way to, to, to coach that or is that like you? I think every everything is principle based and then practice based. So simple things like I have some body work teachers that have principles and one of them is perfect fit. And the other one is body comfortable, fullness of touch. They have all these philosophies and ideas and then from there it's a practice so how the bones of the hands fit together if you think about all of the possible micro angles between 25 bones in the hand 27 in the feet can you confirm those numbers i think it was 26 i haven't looked at it but but well, uh, google knows yeah we should google you get, that. you guys we'll can look google that, up. that we'll yeah. get that in the show notes but there's <laughs> just important. so much well i know this fact uh, or at least i've heard it i have to check google uh there's more more bones in the hands and the feet than the rest of the body right. so it's an infinitely challenging practice of how do you align these amazing instruments of sensitivity and with everything, it's principles, then it's practice. And to become masterful, you need a lot of time and a lot of very conscious practice, not just using your hands and your feet, but being aware, like you are, how your elbow is about as sensitive as your finger. I, I can sense your intelligence by how well you can feel the different layers of my fascial body with your elbow. And I know that takes training. That's not something you can tell somebody, yeah, just use your elbow and just go slow and you'll be able to do it. It's not how it works. Yeah. Yeah. There's the, I'm spacing the name for it right now. Do you know there's, it's uh they have the, the image of the, it's, it stands for the little man. I'll remember it at some point as we're talking, but there's the picture of the guy. He's got these big fat lips and he's got like these really big hands and his genitals are kind of sizable. And it's that it's that cultivation. Kind of sizable. <laughs> it's More like a little bit huge. <laughs> or a little huge. Yeah, but it's it's the uh, man. Now I'm trying to like figure out what it is, but it it'll, it'll come to me anyways. But it's you can cultivate the size of you could say like the sensory neurons or like the sophistication or the kinesthetic mm-hmm. intelligence. Yeah. Of all of these different parts of our body, but you need to to practice. That's mm-hmm. the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that most of us we end up just lacking fun lacking play lacking something where we could com- become lost in practice right and enter acro yoga <laughs> <laughs> welcome welcome to acro yoga yeah you know is that how's your journey been with that with with cultivating your uh sensation throughout all these shadowy parts in your body has that been like a, a lifetime practice how does yeah it's uh i've been fortunate enough to have a lot of amazing people that have offered these principles and these practices and you hit it on the head where when fun is involved then time disappears and you're not dedicating to something that you have to do you're doing something that is inspiring and interesting and massaging your own hand could be the most boring thing you've ever done or the most fascinating thing you've ever done it depends on where you want to go and how exciting you how excited you are about where you are and also where you want to go so i think if there's no no idea of why you would want to do these things. That's one thing that can give you the, the gravitas to actually dedicate, but being fully wrapped in the moment because it's an interesting, fun thing. If it's not interesting, interesting or fun, you're not going to develop that supernatural capacity. Yeah. What does your daily practice look like? 
changes every day. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I would say my most regular things, spatially dependent on what part of the world I'm in, I love taking a bath and having my tea during my bath, mm. just all about warm water and just dropping into a soft space, warm space. Then I like to meditate after my bath, and then I do my asana practice, shadow yoga. If I get all those things done, and I can do all those things in about an hour to an hour and a half, uh, the rest of the day is set up for success. Mm. Um, and I say I would hit that about four days a week is pretty common that I would get all those things in. Um, but yeah, it also depends on what demands there are on me. Uh, but those are ingredients that will be in most of my mornings. Yeah. You live out of a backpack, maybe? Roman suitcase. Roman to me. suitcase. I should get I should get money from the company yeah. for saying that. Yeah, what the heck's a Roman to me suitcase? Uh to me is a suitcase brand and I have a backpack too. It's just it's pretty high end, high quality stuff. I bought it about three years ago and it immediately broke one zipper and it has been pretty good. Uh the wheels are amazing and the ergonomics is very smart. What do you got in there? Uh Tim Ferriss's very heavy book. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> that he signed. So I felt like, all right, he gave me such a good gift. So I have to assimilate this wisdom. And I have not been reading it fast enough. He to could probably sign your Kindle. He could, <laughs> could and should. Yeah. <laughs> but it's almost like I know the weight of the information in that book is relative to the weight of the book. And I am committed to digesting that wisdom. So it's kind of my, my burden to have all that potential wisdom floating around the world with me that I haven't tapped into as much as I want to. So yeah, besides that big book, I've got a huge bag of tea, which is kind of ridiculous mm. as well. Um, currently I have Jamaican hot sauce, uh, in that bag as well that I'm going to be delivering to my mom soon. Happy mother's day, mom. Love you, mom. Wow. Um, Good point. so those are some Good of the point. random things that are not so uh, useful. I counted my t-shirts today cause I'm feeling a little bit low on shirts and I have about 13 t-shirts currently. Um, so I need to up that. I'm going to buy a few more 13 t-shirts and yeah. you're not in the same place for more than three weeks. No, that blows my mind. Yeah. It does that a lot or a little. That's a lot. Okay. <laughs> well, you never know when you're going to get your next washing machine. So, you know, you I really cannot wear a shirt twice in a row and get away with it depending on what activities I'm doing. So, yeah, right. So what so you you said I think I've heard you mention you haven't been in the same place for more than 3 weeks? Yeah. For how many years? About 7. Do you have existential moments of I need to have a stable base foundation or is that just doesn't no. enter? No. No, it's uh the benefit of the type of life that I have is I get to go meet with dear friends that are basically my chosen family, people that have had children together and I'm uncle Jason and I show up and get to play with the kids and drop in. So I, I get to be in places that are very nourish nourishing and nurturing. Um, and I'm very dedicated to what I'm doing and I feel very filled by seeing the progress of the teachers that I've worked with and their students in these thriving communities around the world. So it's, I do want to do it less. Uh, seven years has been a long tour and I feel like this is going to be the last year that's as fast and wide reaching as, as I have been moving. Um, but it's, it's a practice, that's for sure. Yeah. When you started, you were 35. Started what? traveling the seven year the seven yeah full-time traveling mm -hmm. what was what was life circumstance at, th at, at that point upon kind of like beginning of stepping off into this where we're at now got dumped by my girlfriend in new york that i was living <laughs> with because <laughs> i was at a teacher training and i couldn't be there for her when a hurricane hit and it was just uh drama and i was like all right fine i have nothing holding me down right now 
and I have all these places that I want to uh, bring this practice to and all these people that I want to keep going deeper with. So that was just the last catalyst, the last place that I had a, you know, three-month kind of grounded life. Yeah. One of the things I noticed about you upon, um, like, watching you, I guess, you know, and that sounds kind of creepy, but you just observe. <laughs> A little bit. Yeah, it's, it's creepy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's an interesting thing, like, just observing the way that people interact, you know, and something that I find fascinating is people's capacity for empathy mm-hmm. with each other. Right, you know, and so people's ability to that the fitness of empathy, I think, is an interesting topic that is worth you know a paper or something, you know, if, as we fit into different people's body positions, mm-hmm. that's that's empathy, that's connecting with somebody. Mm-hmm. If you're stiff in your body and stiff in your mind, and you can only take on one form, mm-hmm. then that's kind of just what you project, and it's like right. kind of deal with this or not. It's like if I wear like a cowboy hat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I got the boots and the spurs. Like this is this is the identity. Right. What I've noticed with you, nothing against cowboy hats, but but what I've noticed with you is um, you're really really good with undulating between different personalities. Mm-hmm. And I am curious of the connection between something like acro yoga and working with a lot of bodies. Mm-hmm. Have you felt any connection with that? As your body becomes supple, your everything else does. The, there's a lot of things I would attribute that. Um ability to and one was i was a waiter for a long time basically i was either teaching gymnastics or acrobatics or in restaurants from 16 to 25 so you know i had about a decade of of being in the restaurant world and i loved going up to a table and within 15 to 20 seconds sizing them up to facilitate their ideal meal so do they want me to be throwing jokes at them are they having a romantic moment and they just need me to be delivering the food at the right time so that's one part of just the life experience that i think has contributed to that and i'm really curious about people i really like i really like it when somebody stumps me and there are a handful of people in this community that have took a couple years for me to figure out how i do vibrate with them um and Yeah. yeah also the international nature of my life i don't really have a culture in the world that i feel has stumped me i feel like humans are so much more human than anything else and uh, i feel like since i've been outside of my comfort zone as far as culture is for a long time now i watch people and i vibrate with people on an essence level first and then there's words and ideas and other things that can happen but i feel like since i've been outside of an english-speaking country predominantly uh for many years it's that it's kind of the same thing as uh, wild animals as well being able to look at an animal nature and be able to communicate with it and understand vibrationally how fast or slow to move towards it yeah can you shut that window behind you just for the, the the yeah the harder part make it bounce some sound off can hear little little things creeping through there. Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. Um, and I lost my idea. But yeah, so is there has that been something that is there any practice that one can take on with that? You know, because hmm. it's kind of a nebulous thing. But we, it's really easy to talk about reps of bicep curls and hamstring, whatever. Sure. <laughs> no, but being able to practice the art of communication. Yeah, definitely the practice of acro yoga. So I, I didn't give that enough of a of a front seat in my answer. That's um, the more obvious one. Yeah. When you do acro yoga, whether you're doing partner stretches or strength building exercises with two people 
the only way to get better, uh, not the only way, the most uh, easeful way to get better quickly is to be a good listener, be a clear communicator, and practice. It's a very simple recipe that happens again and again. So in a partner stretch, if one partner is pushing too much and the partner that's receiving the stretch is flexing the muscles to resist and there's not good communication, they're fighting each other. They're not working efficiently. So if the partner that's receiving the stretch has the courage and the wisdom to say, that's exactly how much pressure I need. Can you hold that for three more breaths? Mm. And then they're in, in harmony and they're in a place of collective listening. That's... That's a practice that mm. you will find often in acro yoga. Mm. I was heard hearing <coughs> you speak about uh, your teachers talking about making the body be one body, one bone, one muscle. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something else that I kind of like meme that I use a lot with people is a, is a tight body is a light body. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can figure out a way to organize all your parts, yeah. then all of a sudden the other analogy, last analogy in this, in this little thing it would be the hard boiled egg. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you could take that hard boiled egg and you can really spin it and do mm-hmm. amazing things with it, that softness immediately makes something kind of like lose momentum or flail or, you know, injury manifest. Yeah. You know, is that, how do you see that being something that people can kind of start Edu- learning the value of that and implementing that into daily life, or is it pretty much like it stops at acro yoga? In no, no, it's 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 all these things start with philosophies and principles and then practices. So for me, one of the things that I appreciate about the acro yoga spectrum is what I did on the table was learning how to surrender yeah. and release and let go and breathe, and that's one aspect of the practice and the other aspect is the acrobatics where I learn to engage and I learn to be very skillful with directing my muscular power and and integrating my whole being to do one thing mm-hmm. so as both things expand you have much more potential to dance between what situation needs you know the the gas pedals to the floor or just coasting yeah yeah it's when the gas and the brake are on at the same time that's the big issue <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know that's a good analogy you know and that's where m- most people are at in some degree yeah you know it's like playing the piano when you learn how to play the piano anybody can just <laughs> press every key mm-hmm. right but the finesse comes with no you just press these three four keys at the same time mm-hmm. and then delicately balancing between those three keys that you're pressing. I can see you're actually a piano player. <laughs> I've played. I'm not good. I'm just I'm just more of an articulator. <laughs> yeah. Or gesticulator rather. You know, but it's that it's that dance between being able to, you know, Bruce Lee says it's about, you know, hacking away to superfluous. You know, it's about subtraction, not addition. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same thing in the in the nervous system. It's figuring out how do we really pinpoint down into these individual spots that we can bring our energy as opposed to just the whole system kind of coming into this like like deer in the headlights kind of place. And it's it's two things really. It's knowing what kind of music you want to play, knowing what your intention is, and then knowing how you can with your fingers on a piano make that happen. So if you don't know why you're practicing, why you're doing curls, <clears throat> why you're doing all these things, the quality of your practice is going to be completely variable because there's no litmus test to see are these things getting me where I want to go so it's knowing the kind of music that you want to hear then learning the techniques that's going to unlock that like reggae would be a great example mm-hmm. it's not that hard to do a reggae rhythm with a chord on a piano but if you don't like reggae music it'd be stupid to dedicate to that so it's the the combination of intention and then the practice that unlocks that that direction 
do you use music to train? I use music because I love it. Yeah. Um, so yes, uh, it's a meditation. It's a expression. <clears throat> Definitely good for when you fall in love or get get dumped. Or uh, also uh, devotional music, chanting. What chanting has done for me is it uh, it short circuits the brain. It doesn't allow the brain to think. One time I was singing a mantra, you know, just singing this in my head, mm. and my phone rings. Or I just actually know I was checking a voice message, and this woman was uh, giving her phone number to me, and I was there singing the chant and trying to write the number down, and I couldn't. I couldn't sing the chant and write a phone number that I was listening to, and it was just a really cool moment because we're such multitaskers to find this practice that just drops me into nothing else other than these silly little sounds that came from this silly little country thousands of years ago that are very, very potent. Yeah, we were talking, both of us were just recently in Morocco, you said you're in Casablanca? Uh-huh. Yeah, and that was one of the things I found interesting was the uh, the five prayers each day. Yeah. I believe it's five, right? I think so. Yeah, you know, so early in the morning, like five or six a.m. Depends on the crazy. sun. Like in Amsterdam, uh, one time one time I was inspired by my trip in Morocco. I was yeah. like, okay, I'm going to meditate every day when they're singing. If it's a very long day, like you're getting up at 2 a.m. and huh. chanting until, yeah. yeah, but anyway. Yeah, but so that is just that practice, having that, instilled into every whatever that would translate to three hours or something Mm -hmm. like that it's like okay whatever i was wrapped in up in my work thing my facebook thing my Mm -hmm. argument with my whatever it's like yep come back far head down on the ground do some squats exactly do (laughs) some spiritual squats squats. (laughs) drop and give me 20 (laughs) even yeah you know that's something that it's like that's legitimate medicine yeah, you know, unplugging us from the the speed at which we're living our lives and the the amount of time we're spending distracting our our potential. Uh, I I am so guilty of it. And at the same time, there's so many beautiful things that happen through spending time uh, connected to other people online. Yeah, what distracts you? Um, the dopamine response of lots of likes. It's very distracting. Dude, it's gnarly. It's very distracting. Uh, <laughs> I don't even have that many likes, and it messes me up. <laughs> well, it, it's only it only gets worse. That's the thing. As soon as you get more likes, you're gonna like it more. Um, but one of my distractions. So my phone just died recently. So I dropped a bunch of money in a, another iPhone, and uh, it's it's kind of like okay, I have a new lover now. I have a new girlfriend. I want to have a different respect for her and me and our relationship. So mm. I'm trying not to grab my phone first thing in the morning and it's such a practice and i'm about 70 percent now in the in the five days uh, do those percentages work but that's about it yeah, yeah, about yeah. three-fourths of the mornings i can not grab the phone as my first activity and i'm i'm gonna squelch that shit I'm yeah gonna, i'm gonna step up to how i used to live do you notice a change with it yeah when i start with my phone i start with busy mind and scattering my attention and I can get very excited or very triggered. It basically just, it swings my emotions and my days and my, and my focus completely. Um, very rarely do I look at my phone and there was something super urgent or important that affirmed me in my life in my morning. Right. 95% of the time when I don't do that and I do all the practices that I said I love to do and then I turn my phone on, it's just such a different game. Yeah. Yeah, there's a friend of mine who she's like very successful business lady. You know, she's she's well well respected from people all around the world. And it's got like like from the outside perspective, she's like she's just like wow, everything you're doing is just like wow. And meanwhile, she's having kind of this like 
kind of sort of existential crisis type thing of like, I've been so devoted to work and, you know, taking over the world, you know, and having this company and having all these people that are support, you know, supporting each other and me and all that. And, but now it's like, I just want love. Aw. Yeah. <laughs> I got some love to give her. That's what I'll I'm give saying. her a yeah, hug. Yeah, easy. You know, but it's, it's like the, it's very easy, I think, to kind of paint your world with all these accomplishments and achievements and right. such and miss out on that core root, mm-hmm. you know, that, that vulnerability, you yeah. know, and we kind of keep on layering all these things over. But if you can get down to that deeper part, LA is like super, super guilty of, of environmentally kind of forming people into putting up these facades and these shows of what I am and missing mm-hmm. out on the, the deeper part of like, we're right. all just kind of, you know, have you noticed that different cultural change from place to place at all? For sure. It's fascinating uh, being the social anthropologist and just roaming the world and seeing where <clears throat> I see brilliance in culture and culture, religion. Uh, there's so many different ways to speak about it, but it's basically, I think it comes from language first. The way that people speak because of the language they speak in, there are so many beautiful ideas and some really interesting ones like in Japanese do you know how to say relax in Japanese? Tell me. Relaxu. Nice. They don't have a word for relax. That <laughs> says something about Japanese people. And it's it's things like that. I love learning little bits of language to understand exactly that. When you when you say I understand in Thai, you say kao jai, which means it goes into my heart. Mm. Like how beautiful and poetic is that? So after lots of travel, I keep finding that no matter how brilliant or you know oppressed a culture might be, the human condition is the human condition and what you were speaking to of finding that vulnerable root of who you are that isn't being expressed because you're making lots of money, you're running a business and you have all these other important things, quote unquote, um, that you're dedicating to, but not necessarily feeding the parts of you that are really uh, desiring attention and feeding, potentially feeding you or not feeding your soul and your, your purpose for being. Yeah. Homunculus is the little man. Homunculus. Yeah. As you said, do you know what, whatever job, like homunculus, (laughs) homunculus, blah, blah, blah. No idea what he said. I swear I was listening to it, but it's just when you said that it like popped up. Teamwork makes the dream. Teamwork. Yeah. Yeah. Language is a mofo, man. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Another T-shirt. You're you're coming up with lots of T-shirts today. Hashtag. Yeah, you're you have really good language. Thank you. You're like a a a, a mentor of sorts for me in the last you know several hours or whatever that we've been together, just kind of like witnessing language and such. Mm-hmm. It's such a big deal working with clients, you know, or working in business deals or relationships or with your kids or whatever. Mm-hmm. We can be artificially confining people in these kind of like chains of language and not even realize it because yeah. that's just. That's just how we communicate. Mm-hmm. Have you un, have you kind of dissolved any of those chains yes. consciously? Yes, very consciously. I don't know where this came from exactly, um, but it's it's how I like to see the world, and it's how I like to practice acro yoga, and it's how I train my teachers to to interface with each other as co-teachers. It's basically what's something that went well, and what's something that you would evolve, or something that you want to do better. And it's you know going from even constructive feedback to evolutionary feedback that's a quantum leap and starting with what you appreciated about anything that you just did so it could be a handstand or a hand-to-hand let's go back to our hand-to-hand yeah i was killing myself so i could stupid well (laughs) you were actually you were super smart before we did a hand-to-hand you're like hey can i warm up first i'm like awesome let me look at your handstand so i got you in a handstand everything was great there then we did 
the hand-to-hand, and it was amazing. You did it for three seconds your first try and about 10 seconds your second try. That's generous. Thank you. And, yeah, we've got the, we've got the video, <laughs> we video, so we, we can go back <laughs> yeah. to the video replay and get the Russian judge. And, um, but immediately you came down and you, you had something critical. That you said, you know, I can push more through my right arm, but you'd just done something that you've never done before. And it's so beautiful to be able to celebrate one thing and then after that celebration pick one thing that you want to evolve in the absence of that basically the emotional body closes and when the emotional body's closed there's just this negative cloud that's around this beautiful interaction that happens so uh that's one way that i've uh i consistently do my best to break a a cycle a mental cycle so thought word action i love that trilogy I can't ever know what anyone else is thinking. Mm. I can catch what people are saying and give them reflection on that so they can realign the words that are coming out of them. And then the action, that's that's the that's the icing on the cake. And when the thoughts and the words are aligned, the actions flow very easily. When there's no idea of what the seed thought is and there's no mindfulness in how you're speaking about what you're either doing or you did, that's the very simple logic that I think unlocks people's potential in a much more fluid way. Mm. Who is it that said something like happiness is when your thoughts and your words and your actions all align? It, it wasn't that. Lots of Asian people Gandhi that are really somebody. smart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really drop in Asian people in general. Yeah. It sounds like Buddhist, Confucian, yeah, yeah. Taoist. Yeah. 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 It's opening up the, um, the emotional body or the emotional part of someone mm-hmm. that's, you know, and I think that we're trained to protect that because the world's not safe kind of thing. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's like, there's a lot of, and then there's something I was at, a this dance event thing. And one of the things that my, my dance instructor person was talking about, there's a five rhythms. Have you done that yeah, before? I have. Yeah. It's awesome. Do you know Kate Shella? I don't. All right. She's super sweet in Topanga slash here and highly recommend if people are out here checking her thing out. Um, but, uh, yeah, she was talking about just how much easier it is to hate yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. Because that's like a protection device. If I yeah. hate myself, I'm still protected by this kind of like garb or drobe of, 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 of this, you know, th- this hate layer. Mm-hmm. But the love layer, that's, that's the deeper part. Yeah. That's the vulnerable part. Mm-hmm. You know, so some of us, we, we kind of just move through the world from that place as though there's, there's nothing underneath that. But, you know, I think that there's an interesting dance or balance between being safe in our deeper part of ourselves mm-hmm. and also connecting and being vulnerable and putting it out there. Yeah. And I think being safe in yourself is only possible when you know yourself. And if you don't know yourself very well and you haven't done that type of work, there's not a platform to really co-create safe space with other people. So that's, you know, unfortunately, as much as I love acro yoga, partner practices are not the solution for knowing what's going to fill you in life. So kind of, I got a sign out here. I see that. Let me know where you'll leave the key outside. Oh, Jay, 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 we're gonna. <laughs> Am I in trouble? Did you say something wrong? No, you're not in trouble. <laughs> okay, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lock the place up, and uh, you'll tell him where the key's at. Yeah, maybe I'll just run and see really quick and see, make sure he's. All right, so I'm gonna tell you a story now. <laughs> Once upon a time. <laughs> uh, Bolo Bolo Radharamana. Oh, he's back. Okay. That will save my energy. Oh, 
six seconds of, of clicking. Um, yeah, is there anything that uh, you continually deal with as far as protection hmm. layers that you carry? Yeah. Um, as much as I'm a public person, I'm a private person. I try to be, and I do my best to protect my quote-unquote free time, which it's it's a really interesting thing that I've created with Aqua Yoga because it's a practice, it's a business. I'm a mentor for a lot of people. Um, so, for instance, if I go to teach at a at a five day event, I'm teaching six hours a day, and I'm prepping with my team probably two hours a day. So that's already an eight hour day, mm-hmm. and then maybe I've got another hour or two of emails and phone calls for the company stuff. So I'm already at a 10-hour day, and you know maybe a teacher says, "Hey, I really need to talk to you. I haven't I haven't been able to tell you about this thing." And th- the feeling of um, not abandoning uh, my little Acroyoga children, but also not abandoning who I am as Jason Neimer. I'm a person. I'm a human that has needs and desires, and I I put a lot of uh, energy out in the world. So what's what's you know, a consistent challenge is to be able to be honest with these people and and really let them know, look, I love you like deeply and I love myself deeply and I want to find a way that both of us can feel met and heard. And the reality is I got, you know, 24 hours in a day and eight hours of sleep on a good day. So yeah, yeah it's a, it's a constant uh, navigation of personal life and professional life and business life and yogic life. Yeah. Nighttime rituals. I find that to be something that uh, taking the day off, Mm -hmm. right? You know, so I find having time for whatever dance or yoga or Mm -hmm. writing or whatever it may be. I find cannabis to be helpful with putting me into a, a, you know, a helpful mind state really fast. Sure. Um, Not mandatory, but I find pretty helpful with Mm -hmm. it. And just literally pulling the layers of the day off. Yeah. Whatever the physical patterns were, emotional patterns, whatever it may have been, just having that hour window mm-hmm. of let's just take all that off and then we take our clothes off and then we get into bed. Yeah. Is that a... Something? That's... Well, you actually pointed out, I think, a, a kink in my armor. I'm super disciplined with my morning practices, but I wouldn't say that I have uh, regular evening practices and, you know, as simple as uh, sitting for three to five minutes at my altar because I have an altar Mm. that I set up and I, you know, spend some time at, but it it is really important to have rituals of how you, um, digest the day. Yeah. What's on the altar? Um, a lot of photos, a lot of trinkets, uh, I have quite a few shells and just things from the ocean corals picture of Dharma Mitra, who's, uh, my spiritual teacher. It's his birthday today. I believe he's 78. Um, Lots of Gandhi, lots of little Buddhas. Uh, uh, MC Yogi gave me a Hanuman little Morty. Uh, I have <laughs> one of the funniest things I have on my altar is liquid panty remover. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's Captain Joseph Man from Jamaica. He's one of my dear friends in Jamaica, and he has a party called Liquid Panty Remover. And it's this just awesome way to balance, you know, that I am a spiritual being and I'm also a human being and I love women and I love Jamaican culture and I love Joseph. So he, he rides around on the altar with me oh, and, and Dharma and Gandhi and Buddha. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. Has that been an evolution cultivating the, the altar? And the, yeah, and the around I give, I give little altar items away to friends and they give me a uh, little, their little magic gems. Yeah. So nice. it's, it's, it's a constantly evolving, uh, yeah, devotional 
thing. Yeah. So somebody like you comes from, it's very easy to kind of idolize somebody like you or a professional athlete or whatever as though they have nothing that could possibly be wrong in their body or nothing that they're working with. Mm-hmm. You know, is that something, can we get into some of the things that you've been working with in your own body and just like the, the journey that that's, sure. how that's, that's been, wherever you'd want to, yeah. whatever seems well, relevant. I've got two epicenters, my ankle and my elbow. So just a brief story on the injuries. Uh, my ankle, when I was 15, I learned one day how to do a standing backflip. And right when I land, I punched and I did a front flip. And it was the first day that I learned them. I did maybe 10 in the practice. and I was super excited about it. And I did my tra- strength training, my flexibility, and my coach asked me to do one, one at the end, which I should have known. He should have known better, and I should have known better. You don't do your hardest skill you've ever done after you've done your warm down. So I basically landed short and blew out my ankle and I couldn't walk on it for four months. I couldn't run for a year. And for a 15 year old who was a movement monkey, it, it didn't paralyze my practice. It actually completely, uh, catapulted my practice. Mm -hmm. It forced me to do acrobatics in a way that was more specialized in more refined movements in my hands. So that injury, the other injury was my elbow injury. I won't even give the story about that one, but basically uh, I broke my elbow about a year after I broke my ankle. And the rehab of those injuries uh, was amazing. I learned a lot about healing through that direct experience and also knowing how to step back into my power with these joints. And, you know, I would do tumbling on hardwood floors after these injuries, you know, a couple years after. So I did fully heal and I could do really high plosive work. Um, but where it's been interesting in the last two years is I've trained handstand since I was 12. So 30 years of handstand training. And about two years ago, I started feeling elbow pain and now I don't train handstands and I don't know that I'll ever. And when I say train handstands, it's doing five, two minute handstands in in an hour long practice. So it's a lot of time on your locked out elbows. Mm. Um, and what's cool about where I'm at with it is. I want to keep learning about healing myself, but I also um, am okay letting go of certain practices and finding other things that my body hasn't been challenged. I just did my first triathlon, and it was awesome to challenge cardio endurance versus one-arm handstands, and it's the same practice of listening to the body and you know I'm running I'm like okay my my calf is really sore do I stop running do I keep running do I slow down how do I navigate this new sensation in my body so um, whether it's my ankle or my elbow I'm constantly going to be in my life practice listening to the signals of my body training the shit out of my body because I love that and then listening to the effects of it and how can I best balance my body at the end of the day and when I have chronic pain in my body how do I address it skillfully yeah a, a big component to healing, I think, is is witnessing how an injury, it could be a sickness, it could be, you know, fill in the blank thing, affects your personality mm-hmm. and your perspective of yourself. And, yeah. you know, that, that somebody like you or I, who we put a lot of, a big part of, of I would say, our personality is movement connection. Like, if, for me, speaking just for myself, if I don't have that with somebody, um, it's a bit of a disability. And then I can you know, eventually it forces me into other places, mm-hmm. but to lose that all of a sudden it changes the way that you see the world and you see yourself. And then sometimes people get stuck on injuries or like they walk with a limp for like the rest of their life mm-hmm. because now they're on disability and people kind of take, and it can become this deep seated 
disablement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a big sometimes it's just a matter of like kind of empowering yourself back. And it's emotions, it's words, it's saying things like, I've got a bad ankle. And, yeah, you know, when you say it's, again, thoughts, words, actions, I think this is a bad ankle. I say it's a bad ankle. And what do you think it's going to do? It's going to be a bad ankle because it's got two out of the three consciousness streams flowing in that direction. Yeah. And I, when I hurt my ankle for 15 years after that, I didn't run. I didn't run at all. And your friends, Jason and Chelsea, our yeah. friends, the yoga slackers, yeah. they, <clears throat> they were training with me at an event. I said, hey, do you want to come run some stairs at uh, Black's Beach in San Diego? I was like, yes. And so I started running with them. And then I started jogging occasionally with them. And they really helped me. (laughs) We also did quarter mile car pushes where one person (laughs) drives the car, four people push the car, and we time it. (laughs) So it's been awesome to myself have this idea my ankle, it's not, I don't say I have a bad ankle, but my ankle doesn't like running. I don't run because it's not good for my ankle. And I had to change that idea. And even you today, when we were working, I said, okay, this is my range of flexibility. And I don't know that it's going to get any better. And you and you were awesome with being curious and, and asking questions and then doing work. And then how does it feel? So you helped me change my thoughts and my ideas about what's possible in this part of my body. Mm. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, man. Thank you. Um, you have seem to have a lot of uh, like older Mr. Miyagi kind of sensei teacher totally. people. How do you get them? Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> if you're listening, <laughs> I actually I had a Vedic astrologer do my chart one time, and Vedic astrology is basically Indian. Um, and she said I have a pundit karma, if I remember it right. And what this means, and she's only met two others that have this. One is a herbalist, and he just knows everything about herbs, and the other guy's. Uh, uh, yoga Sutra scholar. He knows everything about this one text in yoga. Um, and she said the Pandit Karmas have the ability to not only draw in amazing teachers, but immediately go to friendship with them. And that is, it's not immediate. <laughs> A really funny short story about that was Lu Yi is one of my master teachers, Chinese uh, acrobat. And when I first met him, I saw him training people in one-arm handstands like, oh my God, I want to learn that shit. I had held my partners in one-arm handstands on my hands, but I couldn't do it myself. And so I went up to him and I said, oh, Mr. Lu Yi, you know, I, I love acrobatics. I used to compete, blah, blah, blah. I really want to learn one-arm handstands. And now I teach yoga. And yoga was a four-letter word. It was like the the, <laughs> the record got scratched. <laughs> he was having none of it. So then for literally three years, I was teaching trampoline at the circus center. And I would go up to him, Mr. Lu Yi, I love to train oh you very old oh you have very different experience he would just give me anything oh she hurt your back she too big for you any excuse he could have to not work with me but then as soon as he did one thing i know about myself is i am i'm an amazing student i know how to drop into anything you say i'm gonna take it in and i'm gonna practice it and then when i don't understand something from my physical perspective maybe a month or two down the road i'll ask you one question about it but i'm really humble at receiving and then when i would ask him questions i ask intelligent questions and then when he gives me an answer i digest it and i practice it so i feel like that's if you're not a pundit karma this could be a technique that anyone i think would use uh, would up their game with how much they can get from a master teacher or any teacher. Don't filter it on the way in. Take everything that they're saying as a truth. And if you don't believe this person, you shouldn't sum- submit yourself as a student to them. So be be picky about who you choose as teachers. And when you find this teacher, 
open 100% to them. Take what they have to say. Don't filter it, but then digest it. And when something doesn't match your physical truth, you probably don't understand it. You don't understand the technique. Or maybe there's some evolution that needs to happen in the method, and you might be helping the teacher go to the next level as well. Yeah. That's why I think dogmas are so great. (laughs) (laughs) It can be. It can be. Because it's so easy to shit on dogma. Yeah. You know, like that's the standard. Yeah. You know, but it's like to go into, like Kundalini would be a good example of this. Kundalini is kooky. Yeah. Kundalini is what I call it. Kundalini, yeah. You know, but if you go in and you just throw yourself into it, man, I'm crying in Kundalini, and I'm like, that's a deep work. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, but it's because of the removal of the filter upon entering. Yeah, you know, and so if you enter with that filter, and that's what I was saying, same thing with body work. If someone has that that filter of like this is nonsense, like give me a surgery or whatever it is, then their experience is true. You know, like their belief system around what's going to take place, it kind of manifests that way. And in Buddhism, um, you can think that I'm seeing you right now and you're a movie that's coming into my eyes. Or it can be that I'm projecting you forward right now. And part of Buddhism talks a lot about we project our reality. So whatever, somebody's driving really slow in front of you, you're like, he's a fucking asshole. So I don't know if I can swear on the podcast. (laughs) I already swore several times. Then he's a fucking asshole in front of me. Or you could think, wow, this person is really enjoying the view. I, I, I can't believe how dropped in this human is in front of me. And it, it's, it's this person who's independent of you, but you, we give our world so much texture and flavor by what we project. And that is, can be very empowering when we think in the way that we're projecting this movie forward. So we might as well think good thoughts and project beautiful things into the world because a lot of times that is the vibration and that can be the reality. Mm. I think the answer is both, right? Yeah. Tell me. Yeah. You know, so it, it's, it's, we're, we're sharing the experience and I'm kind of coloring you and you're coloring me. Mm-hmm. And maybe, I mean, I'm going off the deep end, but it's like coming into that congruence mm-hmm. with each other's colors. That's like a good relationship. Yeah. And that's when we have those bonds with each other. Mm-hmm. You know, when you meet someone, it's like, whoa, your color is way different. There's like this. Yeah. No. So if two movies are projecting towards each other, you got. 40, maybe. Whoa. Whoa. (laughs) And that was not with any cannabis. That's all natural people. (laughs) Where do people start with acro yoga? Where's like a good, good, like, because everybody should do it. Yeah. If you're not, like, come on. No, it's, it's, the good news is it is all around the world at this point. There's 60 teachers, uh, no, 60 countries, thousand teachers, 60 countries. Um, A lot of times I would say if you see people doing it, Go engage with them. Go see, ask them questions. Hey, what is that? And a lot of times I would recommend that there's a base and a spotter, you know, your first time that you try it. Uh, but a lot of times there's people in parks around the world that really love sharing the practice and they want to connect and they want you to have a good experience. There's online resources. We have uh, basically a DVD that we digitized and put uh, on uh, YouTube. So free stuff there at acroyoga.org. We have the paid content, which basically breaks the system down. There's two veins. There's acrobatics and there's therapeutics. So it's the ability to be that fully engaged self and partner and then that fully surrendered self and partner. Um, and finding teachers. You know, like I said, 
finding teachers is kind of like dating. You have to you have to go out on a couple of dates. You have to take some classes and find people that you resonate with their message because what they've been taught from me and from Acro Yoga is a system, but when you find somebody that you have resonance with and they have life experience that they're going to bring through this practice of Acro Yoga, it's good to it's good to shop around a little bit and find somebody that you have that resonance. Yeah. But when you find a certified teacher, they have tools to make your path much more efficient, safe, and, and easeful. Yeah. So when you came in today, I was I was picking up a kettlebell up over my head and doing the same thing that one would do with a person. Yeah. You know, and the, the difference with that is the person is they, you know they have chaos, you could say, or they mm-hmm. have all this this dynamic life potential. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it creating that. It's amazing the amount of, I don't know. I think there's value in both. Yeah. You know, is it? Well, you can't blame the kettlebell if it doesn't go well. So this in in sports acrobatics, what I competed in, we used to have a bar that we called the bitch, and basically we had this resin grip that we made that was the size of your hand, and we put it to a barbell, and we would hold a hundred to one hundred and fifty pounds over our head on one arm, and practice these different sitting moves like the Turkish getup. That's a very standard acrobatic move, but they get more complicated from there. So for me to train that with my partner first would be stupid because neither of us know how to do it. So I learned how to do it with the kettlebell first, with the bitch first. And then from there, the flyer does their training on the blocks because on the blocks, they're doing everything right or wrong. So you do individual training, you distill the wisdom on both ends, then you put it together and then you problem solve. Okay, why is it not working? We keep falling at this point here. Okay, maybe you lean here. Maybe I put my hand two two degrees more here. So that's... It's really smart to do individual practice and then bring that wisdom to the table. It's that underlying layer of fitness that happens as a product of problem solving. Say that again? (laughs) The underlying layer of fitness that happens as a product of problem solving. Exactly, exactly. And elevating each other. You know, problem solving is one thing. The other thing is like, I want you to have an amazing practice today and I want to be part of the support for you to do things you've never done before, like your hand-to-hand. And that's the cool thing too. When you have a breakthrough and you do a happy dance and you're running around like a crazed lunatic after your hand-to-hand, that's good. I get I get at least, <laughs> I would say 50 to 70% of that happy juice comes directly to me. And that's why I can fly people for hours and not get tired. It doesn't make sense how my body would be able to do it other than the energetic exchange of somebody liberating fear and liberating self-doubt. It's it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's the... the do you deal with loneliness? Yes, I am human. I am part of the human condition. And yeah, and recently I've been uh, finding different moments of, wow, with this life and lifestyle, it's it's really difficult to have a dedicated partner and to have somebody who's always going to be that person to lean into. Yeah. What's those moments of loneliness like for you? How do you address that? Um, I've been doing a better job not blocking it and just you know, being in that energy. And I think because most of my life is very dynamic and happy and a lot of peak experiences, when I get upset or depressed, it's, uh, it's a big contrast and I don't like staying there, but I also don't like blocking it. So I've been recently just in a place of feeling it and also clearing it. And, you know, the shit that's going on in the world, North Korea, nukes, all these things that are, you know, we've seen them many times before in human past, but it's really helped me appreciate every day and find the moments every day that are magical. And I've had a lot of very amazing days and a lot of difficult days in the past month and a half. And it's, uh, yeah, trying to 
I do this practice of monthly mantras where every new moon I create a mantra or an idea. And Santosha was what I picked this, this last month. And Santosha uh, means equanimity or uh, what does it mean? S uh, contentment, satisfaction. So instead of letting experiences satisfy me, it's like I bring this, this base layer of Santosha with me no matter how good or how bad. So maybe it's not getting so intoxicated with the highs or so depressed with the lows, but just coming back to that center and finding gratefulness for the reality that I'm alive and that I'm able to express these, these extremes. Yeah. Sometimes something comes up during times. Loneliness has been like a reoccurring thing in my, in my existence so far. We'll mm -hmm. see how, you know, the future, what it, what it has to, has you're a good looking dude. You, you can do this. Yeah. <laughs> I got, I got money that, on you. It's funny how that works. <laughs> um, but the clearing of it, you know, that, that's always been a curiosity for me of like, okay, here, as opposed to having the feeling of like, oh, this sucks, like this isn't, oh, and then we have this extra kind of meta level of like, you know, I have the Facebook and the Instagram that says that I'm a winner, so now I can't be in this position because right. now we're, we're thinking about, and it just becomes potentially darker and darker. Yeah. You know, it's the process of, of being able to sit with that experience and you know, I don't know, be productive with it. So just sit with like, what, what? Yeah. Uh, I mean, being productive with it is sitting with it and not, not trying to block it or pretend that it's not there or try to use your intellect to find a way out. Um, w one thing as well is just the, the body language. If you look down and to the left, this is going to be accessing the part of your limbic system that is depression, that is sadness. It is impossible. And you can try it sometime when you're crying <laughs> to look up, open your chest up, take deep breaths. Like I think it's physically impossible to continue being really sad and upset and depressed when you open your chest and you lift your head and you breathe. So I love that there's a connection between the emotions and the body. And I know that, that part of my, my life wisdom is figuring out how to use those things in harmony. And it's not that I need to block it and I don't want to look down to the left. I always want to look up like, what am I looking at when I'm looking at my sadness? Am I brave enough to go deep, deep enough to w see where that wound came from? Like, yeah, abandonment issues from your parents. Does mm -hmm. anybody on planet Earth not have that? We all have that. And can all of us practice loving our parents and realizing that they did the best that they can and that we can give them love now. So no matter how much love they gave us or didn't give us or abandoned us, that we are in a position or we can be, we can grow to a position to accept and love them. And if we start with those nucleus relationships that are the deepest yoga practice that we have, then if it's somebody I've known for six months or a year, the wound isn't as deep, the, the dramas aren't as, uh, far reaching. So I think doing the work on it when we're in the depressed states, trying to understand where does that pain come from and what is that pain? How, what, how has it served me and how has it limited me? So this is where the intellect can be part of the solution with the emotions. It's mm -hmm. not just thinking your way out of the, the problem, but trying to understand why am I here again? Hmm. Something that will wrap up soonish because we got an important Yes. Important meeting. Time, <laughs> time to go play at the beach with our friends. <laughs> yeah, very, very important. <laughs> but um, something that I see with people is uh, 
this posturing that we talked about actually before we worked together. You know, so the posturing of opening your chest and opening your shoulders and what we end up doing through that is borrowing through our lumbar spine. Mm. You know, and 90 odd percent of all disc herniations manifest in L5, S1. And we mm -hmm. have, because we don't have the rib cage around there, so we can steal from that area. Mm. Anything that we can't get from our heart, mm -hmm. we steal from our, our lower back. Yeah. You kidneys. Know? Yeah, Tax sure. our kidneys for our heart. Huh. I don't know about that but i'd love to hear more about it but it's getting people into really being able to rest into themselves that's a big thing you yeah. know and then you can start so resting into yourself might feel like hunching over mm -hmm. you know and having that kind of like come to jesus moment of like you know what i'm not always just big strong posture man mm -hmm. <laughs> you know sometimes i'm just i'm just you know, whatever this is, leaning over and being able to actually finally breathe. And then from there, I can create a foundation and start to open up my shoulders and reverse all this forward head stuff. And But if we don't give ourselves that space to kind of come into real, like, truth with ourselves, then we just keep on fighting these patterns until, you know, we die, probably. And that's what's beautiful about yoga. And there is the potential for us when we're doing a yoga practice to not think about our alignment, but feel what emotions do I feel right now and, and be doing more emotional based yoga and know that there are some poses that, you know, back bends, they bring up fear. They bring up uh, a lot of things for people in hips. There's basically our, our life's records live in our body. So finding ways that we can access our, our memories and our scars and our happy moments in life, like they all live there. So I think you're totally right in, in saying that you shouldn't be rigid in the form you think you should be in to be happy. I think it's about exploring the different shapes and the different feelings that are all a part of our human existence and expand your colors. You know, how many shapes do you do a day? Do you, do you sit, stand, maybe bring your arms up a few times. Like some people have such a limited repertoire of physical shapes they do. And then there might be yogis that do thousands of shapes, but they've got one or two emotions that they feel allowed to express. And in Chinese medicine, each organ is related to an emotion. So the liver is anger. How many angry yogis do you see? Like they hide that shit. They yeah. sweep it under and, you know, it would be interesting to do a study to see how many yogis have liver problems as they, you know, keep suppressing that anger. There are really important ways to let these poses and these emotions find their way to the surface in a, in a real way. Yeah. We protect ourselves with yoga or protect ourselves with weightlifting or protect ourselves with money or, you know, we think that like, because this is the spiritual path or whatever, that all of a sudden that's like deeper than someone that listens to death metal or whatever. Yeah. You know, but it's all just uh, different identifications. The guy with the death metal was walking down Venice Beach the other day, <laughs> blaring it. And of course, I had my uh, uh, first reaction. I was like, I just said, holy shit, that's just horrible music. <laughs> and then I, I was really proud of myself. I immediately shift to, this guy must be really brave. Like, I yeah, couldn't right. I could not do that. I could not play that music and walk down the sidewalk. That, So I was really, I went to curiosity and even admiration quickly and I think yeah that's that's because of my practices and being able to see that there is a rainbow of emotion and expression and there's a lot of right expressions that are seeing the light of day yeah final thing and then we'll really leave um, hands stand something that I think is interesting is the relationship between the foot and the hand and the shoulder girdle and the hip and such and so uh, really crucially important is that you have a nice balance 
arch support, like a tent with mm-hmm. your foot, right? As you're squatting and such. Can you get into a little bit of just what you would describe as being a balanced hand position in a push-up or a handstand or just, is that possible? Yeah, talk it's, about that? it's possible. It would be better to do one versus the other because the hand alignment's uh, different as far as distance and depends on the type of push-up. But let's go handstand. Yeah, please. Uh, and I'll speak acrobatic handstand. Um, basically, and I'll try to speak because I know a lot of people are, all the people are just listening. Uh, you want to make your hand as big as possible. So if you just look at your hand and get your fingers and your thumb really close together, like spread that out so you have more purchase, you have more connection with the earth. From there, when you put your hands on the ground, if you imagine that your fingernail is, uh, you know, the furthest point away, you've got two knuckles before the base of your hand. So the second knuckle you would want to lift up in the air so it makes a tent. It basically makes your hands look like Spider-Man. And what this does is it helps to root your index knuckle down. So if you you look at your hand and you just touch your palm, your palm wants to stay connected with the earth. And the index knuckle under your palm, this is the guy that likes to lift up off the ground. So if you're doing handstands and every square inch of your palm is on the ground and your fingers are bent at the second knuckle, this is really powerful alignment and whenever you change your foundation in anything it's one step back two steps forward so the ability to practice handstands with some consciousness of what your fingers are doing make them wide push the tips of the fingers down the tips of the fingers should look white because there's so much energy and ideally it's not an on and off it's a constant steady pressure into Mm -hmm. the ground and this is basically what it what I imagine is as I push the ground, there's roots that go down and there's connection that goes deeper than your hand into the floor. What's actually happening in physics is action reaction. As I push the ground, the br- ground pushes me back and this upward energy that comes from your push is what makes the hand stand light and alive. Mm. I think they call it ground reaction force. Ooh. <laughs> That's probably wrong. <laughs> not not so fancy, very literal <laughs> term, but I might leave that one here at the podcast yeah, and not yeah. take it with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It might not be for any, anything else. Maybe an acronym. Let's see. Is there any, so more realistically for people, is there anything difference with, with push-ups? Because that's probably something like, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, I would say with the push-up, uh, two of the more intelligent things that I could say here verbally that would really help. To me, a push-up is not just for upper body strength. It's a full body exercise. So one thing you want to do is hold your body in a straight line. Well, good news, people. The floor is a straight line. So if you lay down on the floor, set your hands up, squeeze your knees if you're doing a knee push-up or feet together if you're doing a a plank push-up, start with the, the line that is the floor. And then when you push up, try to get your elbows all the way straight. And when you come down, come all the way back down. Many people don't do a full range of motion. And at those those last little moments when you're straightening your arm out completely in those last little moments where you're getting very, very close to the floor, this is the difference between an acrobat, a gymnast, and many other athletes is the detail work in the extreme ranges of motion. Yeah. So an acrobat knows exactly how to find a straight line in their arms, whereas a weightlifter or a crossfitter they might miss a lot of those uh, micro movements that are that those are the things that make things masterful are those last little detailed moments at the end of an extension at the end of a flexion how about external rotation engaging the pinky all that stuff? i would that say talk or not so much? yeah i would say i like doing hands uh like handstands so it's uh 
basically middle fingers parallel to each other and this is for partner acrobatics this is eventually you're going to be lining up your grip with another person's grip so if you turn your hands out you're not going to line up with your partner the good news is no matter how you practice the hands in your push-up really it, for me what you're training in a push-up is body unification and range of motion in your arm line and intelligence in that range of motion so the hands could be in a lot of different places and it's not going to affect the range of motion in your elbows and the unification of your body bam bam take that to the bank there it is <laughs> thanks man uh people find you places what's, what's the what's jason the Niemer on instagram on facebook acroyoga.org is the website that has the thousand teachers around the world anytime you want to connect with acroyogis just go to facebook and type in the name of the city and acroyoga if you go baltimore acroyoga there will be you know probably 300 to a thousand people in most major cities so that's a way that you can drop into wherever you're going and and meet people yeah yeah, man, it's like serious, you know, medicine. Again, you overusing that word, but it really is. Having some access point for so many people are in hospital beds because they, they're reaching out for someone to take care of them. Yeah. So having that space of people literally picking you up and practicing vulnerability and being, you know, mobilized, all these things all at the same time. And I've seen it around good. the world. I've seen <clears throat> that there's not really uh, a place that hasn't been touched by this practice. So it's, it is filling a void that I feel that modern culture has created where mm. we're more connected to our phones than we are to other people and strangers are people you don't talk to. There's so many ways that we're interacting right now that is set on cruise control by people hundreds of years ago. And it, this is uh, a, a moment, I think, to create a different consciousness and a different access back to other people and back to humanity. Cool. Glad that we could record all that, man. Right on. Record over. Thank you. Thank you. Align Podcast. Thank you once again for uh, for Sigmatic for supporting this podcast and for bringing such a radical product to the world. Uh, I utilize the cordyceps and lion's mane before any workout movement session that I do. Uh, chaga mushrooms every morning as I'm traveling. I always bring along some type of mushroom bl blend for immune support and just overall vitality. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Tim Ferriss has been loving that. Sean Stevenson, I believe, from the Model Health Show as well has been getting down on those. Um, so they are spreading like wildfire and I highly recommend you checking them out. Um, jump on to foursigmatic.com slash align for 10% off of your purchase. I can't re recommend it more. Uh, foursigmatic.com slash align. F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com slash align and you will get 10% off of any purchase from for Sigmatic. Thank you once again so much for tuning into this podcast. If you guys want to show some support, show some love for what we're doing here, um, you can jump onto the website, aligntherapy.com, A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. And then from there, a uh, couple things you can do. One of which you could actually donate through Patreon. There's a link on the right-hand sidebar of the blog and podcast page. Uh, you can utilize the Amazon affiliate link uh, anytime you or anybody you know buy some crap on Amazon, please and thank you. Bookmark that link. Every 
time you do it, we get something like 7% of your purchase and it helps support this show. It is awesome, so great. As well, something you could do that is ultra helpful if you or anybody that you know um, has ears and likes books, uh, tell them to check out the audibletrial.com slash align. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E trial.com slash align. And then from there, that is, uh, you get a free audio book from Audible. They have something like, I don't know, a bajillion different titles to choose from. Uh, one that I would recommend that I got from them was Shantaram. I, it's a huge book and uh, again, all free, no matter what size the book you get. And that got me through, I listened to that as I was traveling through Morocco and uh, just really, really amazing website, uh, amazing service. Couldn't recommend it more and uh, it kicks us down some scratchola every time you guys utilize that free thing. Costs you absolutely nothing and you get a free audiobook and you support the show. Boom. Um, thanks so much for reviews on iTunes. That's greatly appreciated. And thanks just in general for listening. Thanks for supporting. Thanks for, for spreading the word. All right. I can't express enough how much I appreciate all that. If you guys ever have any questions or comments, you feel free to email me directly at Aaron at aligntherapy.com. And I would love to talk. All right. See you guys. Thank you for listening. And remember to join the movement by subscribing to the podcast. If the information has been helpful, please share and leave your comments in iTunes. Aaron personally reads each one and it makes all the work worthwhile. Together, we will make a difference and continue to bring more powerful and inspiring messages to the world. Align Podcast.